the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Um, different little thing happening today. This is Missy Bosch in with Elizabeth. And um, it's just us being solo today as we chat about school issues and government issues and whatever else concerns the people of Arkansas. How are you, Elizabeth? Good morning, Missy. Happy Tuesday. And yes. like the uh, stomach bug is kind of run through the female power panel this morning, as well <laughs> as the host. <laughs> but we'll manage. We'll make it. It's Tuesday, November 23rd, the year of our Lord, 2021. The brand new morning. Lots of things going on. Yes. Lots of things going on nationally, of course. And, uh, of course, locally in Arkansas, we have a lot of information. We talk about school stuff a lot on Tuesdays. Um Let's see. Across the country, though, you heard about this yesterday. Trump put out a brand-new book. It's got a million dollars' worth of sales in the first day, not even being advertised yet. Oh, my gosh. Blowing people out of the water. It's a coffee table book, a lot of pictures, apparently. And as minute, the minute he advertises it, it blows out a million dollars' worth of sales one day. That's Pretty how he interesting. is. And yet. And yet Biden is our most popular president ever. You just have to know how that works. <laughs> Looking across also at national news, you know, they've identified the Wisconsin parade guy. Turns out maybe he's not some sort of a terrorist. Maybe he was just a domestic abuser and was having a terrible fight after being let out from a terrible fight before out on a $1,000 bond. Yep, and just running away, I heard. Running down the street. Yeah. Now, the last I heard, it's it's a horrible thing. What, five deaths, 45-some-odd people hurt? Yeah. It's crazy. Terrible, terrible thing. And we're also sensitized that, of course, the media immediately jumps on it and says it you know, looks like a terrorist attack before we even know what's going on. Same thing that we've been talking about for weeks about the Rittenhouse trial, how the media just goes bananas. Right. With their version of things, no matter what the truth is. Um. You see where uh, on the Rittenhouse trial, Jerry Nadler wants the DOJ to charge Kyle Rittenhouse now. Oh, yeah, to look back into it. Yeah, rattling the swords really loudly. And Joseph Rosenbaum, the sex offender's uh, attorney out in Denver, has filed a civil suit already against that young man. Mm. And if anyone even watched the trial for literally five minutes, they would have seen that all of that information about him was um, hidden, it was covered up, 
the FBI had um, aerial video showing the entire thing. And <clears throat> all these people that are discussing it didn't even watch the trial. They just want to make him guilty. It's crazy. Well, the most amazing thing is how, <laughs> to me, the most amazing thing is how he killed black people. I mean, have you just not even seen the pictures at all? Yeah, right. Who was involved in this issue? Yeah, right. Have you watched the trial? Have oh, you not I know. Even seen the pictures? They're everywhere. Um, so you know, there's a lot of misinformation going on, as we all know. The key is where you find good information. That's the Dave Ellswick show, even if it is the female power panel, or just <laughs> two of us this morning. <laughs> yeah, good wishes out for Heather and for Dave, and hoping they get feeling better soon. Um, you know, these things happen and we'll wing it. Right. We got to bring it down though. Focus on national stuff's going on, but you know, the best activity, and I've said this a hundred thousand times, if you're going to be interested in politics, the best activity you can be interested in is local politics. Local. Um, I know we had a Republican meeting in our County last night. The room was packed. In fact, we were spilling out the door we had a goal to double our membership this year and this calendar year. This is now November, and through October, we have now met our goals. We plan, of course, to set a new goal for membership. We are roaring. So tell me, how many County. people do you have show up to your meeting? And I'll tell you how many show up for Low Note County. <laughs> well, let's compare. On an average, we've had around 75 people in the room for our meetings. Um, a huge turnout. People are coming out in droves, and we're asking people, hey, you know, what, what brought you here? And they're all saying pretty much the same thing. I'm looking around. I'm seeing what's happening. I'm seeing what's happening in my school. I'm seeing what's happening in my community and what's happening nationally, and I figure it's time for me to get busy. Well, you must have, um, I don't know, maybe it's because people just feel comfortable in Cabot and Ward, but the people who showed up last night and now, I'm not a member of the Lone Oak County Republican group, but um, I do know someone that was like she has been going and they voted to not allow her in to the Republican group. OK, so this is the kind well, of people we're dealing with. Interesting thing. It is yeah, very. Well, and that's an interesting thing. We have different, I'll say, flavors of the GOP around our state. For those who may not know, the GOP party would like to have a county group in every county. That would be 75 different county groups. We do not, as far as I know, have one in every county. However, in the second district, which is central Arkansas for the most part, we're pretty strong. Um, and we are asking new members questions. It is not a litmus test. It is not, um, you know, a yes or no, but we don't know who some of these new people are. Right. And of course we really don't need uh, people in our group who are not like-minded, right? And now what happens, so, so if someone is not allowed to be part of the committee group, you know, but they're still Republican, they still hold to the platform, what does that mean for that person? Anything? Well, I've not really heard of that before. I actually have not heard of that before. Um, I think if I have been voting Republican, you know, in other words, I can show you on my voting record, hey, I've, I've got a Republican voting record, I, I don't know. Maybe I would call the state state Republican Party and have a conversation. I right. don't know how that should work. Well, she, um, um, you know, is one of the parents that were concerned that um, filed suit a declaratory judgment against Cabot Public School and for masks. And she also um, 
you know, she's very vocal, very kind. Like, I'm straight to the point when it comes to things. She's very <laughs> gracious. She's very um, much more uh, yes. personable, I guess you could say. And <laughs> someone on the committee is also on the board. And so she walked out while they voted and they voted not to allow her into the committee. And so it was like oh, she was does she just, think it's related to school activities. She then? does. She really does. And, oh. uh, you know, and so I'm like, well, I'll just show up. But it's open enrollment in January. And so there's a group of us that are just going to go ahead and sign up in January because you don't have to be voted in. You just sign up. Um, well, and so and that's kind of thing. Yeah, here's the thing. Um, on a national basis, there's a fellow out there by the name of Ed Schultz. Some of you may know that name. He has been talking for years about mm-hmm. the precinct project and what that means. He says there's over 200,000 positions available in the country with GOP parties, and you become a precinct captain. In Arkansas, we don't have precincts, but you go to your local Republican Party, you join up, you get busy, you get on some of these committees, you start working in the polls, you start working with the candidates, and guess what? You will be one of the decision makers in the GOP. Now, different counties are different. Our county in Faulkner County is very inclusive. We have taken a a new approach to doing things, and as I said to you earlier, we've doubled our membership. We are America First oriented. We are Patriots, we are interested in advancing the ideals of the Republican Party. The first one being faith in God, and the second one being pro-life. I say if you have any interest, if you're a person that, you know, you're a Second Amendment individual, you're really about your gun rights, or you're really about certain, you're you're really about pro-life, you need to join your Republican Party. Those beliefs are in our platform, and this is what we're supposed to be doing with that party is promoting those ideals. So Mr. Schultz talks about going to your local committee and joining up, becoming a precinct captain, or in our case in Arkansas, you become active in your party. And um, in Faulkner County, that's exactly what's happened. In fact, I had an individual last night say, I'm here, I'd like to join because I heard Ed Schultz on the TV, and I finally decided it's time for me to take action, for me to step up. Right. So I, you know, I'm constantly urging people, be active. Right. Be active. And Get off the keyboards and be active. Right, and that's what we need. Um, I noticed last night there was about 20 people, and the majority of them are, you know, we had two represent, well, representative and a senator, and the rest of the people are just, you know, holding the specific positions in Cabot. And then there was like 10 people that just show up regularly, and it's a very, um, I guess it's I could say, group, it it's very like. small. And, you know, but there's not a lot of issues that we're dealing with and they're just now realizing um, we need to be looking at the education because that's what's coming up the most. Well, that's going to be a hot one and we are in a superheated environment. We had a ton of people last night announce for office and talk about races coming up next year. People are already excited. Our filing period of course is not till February, but now there's a grand opportunity for you to become a with candidates who are starting right. to get out, you know, work on their campaigns. So, and that's what the party is all about. Even in, in Cabot or Lone Oak County, if there's not any major issues except maybe for education. Right. But the party, we have a lot of work to keep our Arkansas red. We already have a Republican majority. By the way, I always think of election integrity. One of the reasons 
that Trump and the problems happened in our election last fall was because there was such a turnout of Republican voters. It messed up all the algorithms and it messed up all the stuff that they had set in place. And I'm sure that the turnout is part of what happened. We have to keep that advantage moving forward. We had a huge turnout in Virginia. The Republicans turned out in droves. This is what is going to keep the red wave going across the country. And the emphasis is now within the party on parents, schools, and the things that are going on with our children, which is our next generation. Right. So Um, let's let's go to a break and let's talk about education um, when we come back, because I know that there's things happening in Cabot and all over the state, um, especially with a group called Moms for Liberty. Okay, and that's after we come back from break. And Missy Bosch and I'm Elizabeth Sotolero. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, everyone. This is Missy Bosch back on the Dave Ellswick show. And I am with Elizabeth and I hope I'm back with Dave. Um, yeah, he's I'm phoning here. in you great. They, when, thing, when things go wrong, <laughs> they go sideways to bad way. When mechanical things go bad, they go bad. What can I tell you? But uh, I'm back with you via phone. I'm back at my house. I got back to my house. So uh, we'll, we'll figure out this rest of this uh, later on today or whatever. Um, I know you all have been talking about, uh, elections, uh, here in uh, Arkansas. You've been talking about schools. I want to turn it over to Elizabeth because she's got probably access, uh, to this next, uh, information. And I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, judicial watch sent a letter, uh, to the uh, secretary of state, uh, Thurston, and uh, saying that we had some problems on the elections more than just Pulaski County. Uh, Let me leave that with you, Elizabeth, and you can bring everybody up to date. I was very surprised. This was on uh, Judicial Watch's website. It is a press release. Last week, Judicial Watch notified five states and 14 counties to clean up their voter registration lists. Now, this is a specific thing having to do with the National Voter Registration Act. That law says you've got to remove inactive voter registrations in certain ways. These are people that are on the list that haven't voted, and you may not know, but you get a letter, or, well, a letter is sent out to your address that says, hey, are you there? Are you going to vote? If this happens for two, two election cycles, the law says you've got to take those people off your voter rolls. So what's happened now is Judicial Watch has checked out some national data that's reported through the law, and they've sent a letter to John Thurston and a few other folks as well, but in Arkansas to John Thurston, and it says, hey, these following counties have not complied. It is pretty clear from the data it is absurdly low to remove zero, two, three voter registration records over a period of several, well, in this case, four years. So it says 11 Arkansas counties have removed fewer than five voter registrations in the last four years. And it would be, you know, they're all over the place. Jefferson, Johnson, Stone County, Newton County, Lincoln County, Nevada County, Lee County, Woodruff County, Dallas County, Crittenden County, Lone Oak County, Lafayette, Calhoun, Izzard, Deshay. It's all over the state. Wow. And it just says it is simply not possible to comply with the NVRA law while removing literal handfuls of registrations. 
Many thousands of voters must have changed residence but did not notify election officials. You have, this is the official statutory notice. You have 90 days. Clean up these rolls. Give us our records, or we're going to be suing you in federal court. That's why. Very good. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad somebody's watching it. Yeah, right. this is big. Um, and, in, and, you know, I've said for quite a while, and I'm following some of this voter stuff, um, we have some problems, okay? And we have problems partly because we have a national system. Obviously, the size and scope of our elections is massive. And we depend on so many different, I'll say, venues, organizations, people, and volunteers that I, you know, I mean, think about it. Anyone who's had anything to do with business, how do you manage an operation like that and ensure that everything is being done properly? That's the role of our Secretary of State's office. Right. And so here's my question. We're military, right? And we have to... um you know, every year make sure that we are signed up. So we were Montana residents for a very long time. And when I became an Arkansas resident, I went and got my driver's license. I signed up to vote. Um, But I'm still receiving voter um, Uh cards for Montana, absentee voters. Of course, I threw mine away, but I'm thinking, how often Mm -hmm. does this happen where I could vote in two or three states if I moved that often. How do they clean that up nationally um, and have their records line up with each state, with each county? You know, I just don't understand how that can happen if, you know, we're still getting information. I mean, I haven't called Montana to say I'm not voting because I have to actually go online and say I will be voting. So I can't take my name off because we are absentee voters that are military. Does that make sense? Well, and it, yeah, sure. But this is the issue, you see. Some people might say, well, okay, you know, it's just sloppy. And, you know, we have all these extra people out there that are registered that don't vote. So it doesn't really matter. Oh, yeah, it matters. Because this is what the Democrats, the left, is doing is they're going out and, you know, of course, mass mailing, like you said, mass mailing these ballots to all these people. And I think they... They watch. They know that they're they're broadcasting these ballots everywhere, and this is how they're doing it. They're using the voter registration rolls that are so not cleaned up. You right, know, they're antiquated. just not cleaned up. Antiquated is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I've never. I mean, I have no idea. I know that we spoke about some of this last night. We actually heard from Mark Lowry, who's the Secretary of State candidate. He is currently a state rep. He's worked on the voter integrity bills that were in our legislature this spring. He had a couple of questions about it. People were asking, um, you know, we there's just it's just such a massive setup. But I think he is going to be looking at. He, he says if he's elected, he'll be looking at focusing on some of these issues even more. Right. And I think that our legislature's done a pretty good idea. You know, they've taken a pretty good dent into some of it this past spring. Of course, you know, the Democrats will say that everything we, the Republicans, did to clean up the rolls actually disenfranchised the voters. But uh, I think that this is an effort that every voter should be interested in. Right. And, of course, because it could county, go the other way, right? I mean, absolutely. you could have Democrats and, and, and then, right. So <laughs> let's talk about this later when we come back. But we're going to go to break real quick and we can talk about this and school issues when we come back. And we are back. Uh, This is Missy Bosch, and Dave is on the line with us today and with Elizabeth. And now, my favorite lawyer, Greg Payne. How are you guys doing? Hello, Greg. 
What's up, Greg? Hey, hey, good morning. I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than you guys, I suppose. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm not morning. sick. <laughs> I'm here. Good morning, Elizabeth. I'm here. Is this, a, is this a Missy Bosch radio show? I guess it is this yeah, morning. Today it is. Yeah, today she, <laughs> we took over. She <laughs> Dave, you shouldn't she's stay home very much. Yeah, she's in the admiral chair. What can I say? I know. So <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't talked much about um, the school issues. Um, Good. What's I, up? So last night, you know, I was at the Lone Oak uh, Republican meeting, and they don't want, I guess, what happened the special session that's coming up, right? For the tax cut that the mayor wants, or the the governor wants to call. He said, nobody yeah. can bring up any other issues because a lot of people want to bring up critical race. But what I'm realizing is there's a whole generation that haven't been like us parents researching. And so they're just looking at this critical race theory when in all reality, there is no critical race theory per se. It is now being disguised as social emotional learning and the vendors that these schools are using for their online school. Does that make sense? Well, it's what yeah. it's what the left does. Well, the left the left never can identify itself, or uh, people are rejected outright. So exactly. they, have to, they have to they have to camouflage all everything they do. Right, but that's but that's the function of the legislature. The legislature needs to step in. And I suspect the the ninety fourth legislature in the state of Arkansas is going to get is going to get up to its elbows in uh, school reform as it should. And it uh, should. I mean, I mean be, it's horrible. That'll be part of my yeah. That'll be part of my agenda. I mean, the Arkansas Supreme Court has said that the uh, Arkansas legislature has total control over the schools, and that that would include curriculum. So I suspect there's going to be a. I mean, and hopefully, what you're going to see is uh, with this new activism parents um you're going to see a complete turnover with school boards around the state um and you know just, uh, parents hopefully taking back control of their schools and you know for these uh, some of these superintendents who are bucking the system or, or maybe going with the flow i don't know how you'd call it um but uh, they're going to be some reform at the, at the school board level and they're going to they're reject some of these some of these this new curriculum. Well, we we have to. I mean, I was looking at you know I'm looking at Cabot specifically, and I'm realizing the superintendent makes a quarter of a million dollars. Yet, our high yeah. schoolers, when you look at their nationalized tests, um, eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh graders. Now, the eleventh graders don't really show up because they're taking the actual ACT, but the ACT Aspire fifty percent cannot pass language or math. And yet we're sending them out because of this this entire school thing. We don't want to hold kids back. We don't want them to not graduate with their class. Yet we're sending them out into Arkansas, you know, to do these jobs. Yet they can't read and they can't do math. That to me is yeah. just ludicrous. And they're like, everyone always says, Cabot's the best school. And I'm like, it's safe. But our curriculum is just horrible. The wit and wisdom has got to go. Um, you know, and I, I confronted Secretary Keys about it. And he's like, it meets the standard, and if your school picked it, it's their fault that you're using it. That's what he said. To well, me. yeah, lame duck at this point, just like the governor. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and that's what's ironic is the governor uh, comes out and talks about you know jobs for Arkansas. And he, you know, there's some new companies coming to Arkansas, but the strength of Arkansas is its children, the education of its children, um, and you know we're, they're failing miserably. But the schools are not are seem like they're no longer in the business of educating children. They're no. in the business of of uh, indoctrinating children. Well, and, and I think and, the school and, boards are, are lame ducks because I even, I, you know, I email them all the time. Even the ones that were against masks, you know, at the beginning, um, they still have zero idea 
what curriculum is being used, what books, who is responsible for the books, how you get things. The school board signs off on these policies and they know nothing. Yet they are very quick to tell, you know, hey, we'll sign the check for you, Mr. Superintendent. And everybody wants to be, you know, best friends with each other. But the school board is supposed to be holding them accountable. Well, that's that's a function of all the, all the federal money coming pumped into the state. Uh, those, those are some of the conditions that, I mean, I, you've got the Federal Department of Education, which does not educate a single child. No. Directing, directing educational um, priorities in the states. And legislatures need to, uh, yeah, they need to rediscover the term federalism. Mm-hmm. And they need to, they need to um, um, cut off funding, like, like the, like the uh, ALC just did last week regarding C- uh, uh, UALR. And the CMS CMS money. So look, you know, UAMS. unless I'm sorry, UAMS, U, UAMS. Yeah, yes, UAMS. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, if you want state funding, you're gonna you better start towing the line. I mean, you, there's law out there you got to follow. State right. law's got to follow. Um, how, much the, the school, the, how much of the school budget is actually federal money? Sorry to interrupt. It's hard on the I phone. No, but they each got, one is different. Last year, I think. I know it's yeah. big. They got a lot of money well, coming the, from the feds, but how much of their budget actually comes from the federal, and not in our case, our local property taxes, which is the control I, local. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know district by district, but it was the the total money for the state of Arkansas last year from ARP, I believe, was one point three billion dollars. And you know, and and we'll wow. soak it up like a like a sponge. Um, and you know, that that's that's been my argument since. The last year was um, the state or the governor and Joe Biden have determined that the price of constitutional rights of parents in the state of Arkansas is one point three billion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know the, fed, oh, the feds, the, the feds throw throw money around, and the and state agencies are will will sell you down the river. Yep. And then they, and without without blinking an eye, I mean it, it, the you got state educational system which is supposed to be educating ch- children. They're in they're now a for profit business, and and they'll they'll. Their product is indoctrination. I mean, it's kind of like it's not. It's not unlike um, if you pay if you're paying attention to all the COVID vaccination stuff. I mean, you've got you've got the Arkansas Department of Health uh, and the and the federal you know, and the CDC advertising online for uh, vaccines, right. which are a product of large pharmaceutical companies, and they've got plenty of advertising budget. They don't need. The state of Arkansas <laughs> advertising for people to take the vaccine, and, and if if we're if it were that effective vaccine, and it was you know getting rid of COVID, people would be lined up for it. Right. Without this, I don't, I don't know what the state budget for advertising pharmaceutical companies is, but it's I, mean, I can't I can't you can avoid them on radio. So you know. Well, I'm praying I, I don't, I don't, that we have a complete like you know the Republican platform we were going through it has a complete education reform. Um, I am for what Florida did where they took away the money for the schooling and it's for the children and they get to choose where they go and the money follows the kids and they took away district school boards right. and created school boards per school. And it had to be a parent um, of a child at that school to be able to be on the board. Yeah. Because I tell you what, those parents are way more invested in knowing what's going on than these people that are just elected and sitting there not caring right. what's going on. No, we don't have to is going to aim it and end up with private. Go ahead. <laughs> we don't have to re- reinvent the wheel. I mean, no. there, there, there's a better mousetrap out there. And if it's the state of Florida, you know, I, uh, I, I'd be the first one to volunteer for a contingent to go to Florida to figure out what they're doing in their education system. Yeah. 
They went from oh, like 39th right. to number four in two years. Yeah. Yeah. In two yeah. years. Wow. Yes. That's let me, hard. Let me, ju- hard. Let, me jump, let me jump in real quickly. And you were asking about how much federal money comes in the school systems. I've done a lot of study on that, and it's somewhere between 10 and 13 percent mm-hmm. uh, for each three state. So I've always said I, I'd love to see the governor step forward and and make the statement, you know, would you, you know, let's cut back on how much we spend on schooling and get all the superfluous stuff that we're having to teach <laughs> because we take 10 percent or 13 percent from the federal government, but you get 90% of your rules from the federal government uh-huh, because right. you're using their money. Yeah. Well, my, well I think of, of concern, and I haven't quite gotten the answer to this, um, is whether there any of that money is direct pay to the schools. Because, I mean, there's some state law regarding uh, federal emergency funding going into an account to be, to be uh, paid out by the state legislature, as, as with any money. But if, there, if the money's going directly to schools, uh, that needs to be cut off. Well, there the is. You can. All the, I just. Yeah, um, all the there's money a dashboard. There's a dashboard that you can go to that I have been researching on the secretary, um, the education website here in Arkansas. And you go in there and you look at the ESSER funds and all the different. It'll tell you state funding and federal. And every school has received the minute that the federal funding came in, it instantly yes. was used by the schools. Directly? It's SR money. It goes, no, it goes through the state to the school, but it's almost direct. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. yeah. And this well, is yeah, what they're the saying with the mask mandates. We've got to have mask mandates because that's part of how we are able to obtain and keep this ESSR funding from the feds. Right. And, back to those rules um, that are put down for the money. That's yeah, very interesting because I have been watching the families down in Louisiana sue LSU for this ma- the vaccine and the masking, um, and they are personally, they're not going through lawyers, they're suing, you know, the federal government because in the, um, you know, all the federal funding that was sent out through the COVID and all the different acts that were passed, they said it is law that the schools mask. So that's what they're saying. Yeah. Yep. And it's not, well, it's, it is, you know, it, it isn't. It, what, what, what went on is each school has to apply for this ESSER money, E-S-S-E-R, yep. it's elementary, secondary, something. I can't remember what the, what the, what it stands for, but part of a reopening plan, you had to file, each superintendent had to file to qualify for our ESSER money. They had to uh, include uh, their plan for masking the students. Um, now, I don't know that has anything to do with education, anything at all well, to do. No, well, it's 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 got nothing. But that's 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 it's the uh, those 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 are the, those are the strings attached to our professor money, and that's you know exactly superintendents right. superintendents will you know uh, see see an opportunity for funding, they'll take it. Yes. But if you walk into any and, I, and Missy, I don't know about up at Cabot, but if you go into any uh, school board meeting in the, in the last six months, the first ten fifteen minutes will be the building and maintenance guy giving a presentation on all the new construction projects. I mean, the state of Arkansas is rebuilding their school buildings with that money. With that money, but I mean, they have to hide it, and they're filtering or funneling their, because, you know, they can't rebuild with that money, because that there's certain yeah. codes that were supposed to come with it, yet they turn around, and they're using it for, oh, Cabot's getting new turf, um, we're getting, you yeah, know, old buildings, right. but you know what? Let's talk more about this when we come back from break, and... Um, 
We'll see what else. I think Ken Hammer was going to call in and maybe give us an update. We'll see if he calls. And it's Missy, and we are back with Dave and Elizabeth. I don't know if Greg is still on the line. Um, uh, I'm still here, Missy. Oh, good. So what else have you guys been hearing about the education? Like Cabot, you know, I talked to Representative Evans and um, Senator Hill last night, and they said their emails are being blown up with all of the books that parents are finding, especially in, like, Fayetteville and Benton. Oh, my word. Oh, it's terrible. And how, you know, Cabot finally, I recommended, you know, when I first found them and parents brought them to me, I was not out searching for these. Um, But once people were going live in these school boards, parents instantly looked into the Cabot um, libraries and I was the I just happened to be the spokesperson for all these parents and I emailed and I said you know how did they get in here that is the big thing like <laughs> and I know that the Amer- I think it's the library association or something these school librarians are like trying to follow this this nationwide bill of rights for librarians but they have to follow school policy and school policy says you cannot have sexually explicit stuff being um, available to kids under 18 and so i recommended a committee be formed that they go through this and of course you know thurman was like we are not going to come you know make a committee this is ridiculous literally shrugged me off and after about 20 more parents spoke up all of a sudden the whole school gets an email that says hey we're gonna make a committee you want to be on it (laughs) um so i think you know i mean i was emailing the mayor i was emailing people because 90% of our taxes in Cabot go to the school, and yet I don't think anyone realizes what is being taught and what is actually there for our kids. The books that we found were disgusting. Let me just speak speak real briefly about there is a parent group active in Conway, and it has been discovered by the left. So if anyone out there is listening – you can contact me through the radio station. If you are a parent and you want to know more about what's going on in Conway, these books were being discussed, and they are horrid. I would call them pornography. I have seen and heard. It was horrifying. If you are interested in these topics, you can contact Elizabeth through this radio station if you're in the Conway schools, and we will get you together with people that are looking to fix this problem in our schools. It's been a problem going on for a long time. I had Lori Lee on a few weeks back, if you all remember, and that's how I got to know Lori. And she was fighting this, this uh, p- uh, particular battle over a decade ago up in Northwest Arkansas. I don't know what it's going to take to finally uh, get the schools to pay attention to this other than uh, the legislature just saying, look, uh, if we start continue to find these uh, books in your school, there's going to be some kind of monetary fine or something brought against the school district. Right. And what what was really upsetting me is that they are forcing parents to read the books and go through these lists. So we have a, a, oh, a horrendous, private group. So we're like, you know, and there's websites called like ratedreads.com and they are actually just rating bad books and they give you know these different kind of rates but books aren't rated like that and so they're forcing us as parents to read it yet they're the ones that are paid to be going through our curriculum and so they're making the media specialists um you know they're not giving us any information we have to go through and do keywords you know and so then they think we're anti-gay but sadly 
That is the books that are so sexually graphic. Yeah, here's the concern, though. You really can't you can't go the por- pornography or the obscenity route because I've done that before. Um, you know, when I was a prosecutor, you got to uh, there. There's some prior restraint, First Amendment issues. If you if you go if you start calling stuff yeah. obscenity or pornography, what you what you need to stay with is that it's, it's like Missy says, it's sexually explicit. And well, I suspect, and I, I haven't done the research on this, but I suspect Arkansas statutes contain criminal sanctions for exposing children to sexually explicit material. Yeah, it's a felony. So, so what? You, yeah, so what you have? Uh, each county, of course, has a prosecutor. Um, prosecutors need to need to pick up this ball and run with it. Um, I don't know how many prosecutors you have around the state. Uh, they're willing to do that, but. Uh, they're obligated to do it. If there are criminal statutes preventing the exposure of children under a certain age to sexually explicit material, that's what this is. Right. And prosecutors and need, to, need to do that. What, it, um, what it's going to take is for the parents to rise up in huge numbers instead of being silent. And mm-hmm. I know that it's a scary thing, and I know you guys in Cabot are roaring and going and certain other places in the state are starting to wake up. But the other side has a has a jump on us. They're already way down the path. Oh yeah, and we have got to start fighting these battles, and they will. They will call you a racist. They will call you a book banner. Well, they will say that you're discriminating yeah. against LGBTQIAMNOP people, and all this other stuff. But that's because they are the ones pushing the propaganda and the uh, uh, sexuality at young age onto right. our children, and I find well, it probably, heinous yeah, and but, evil. But you can't, I mean, like, like Dave suggested, we can't, we can't depend on the legislature to get involved. I mean, the legislature's already been involved in this. I mean, prosecutors are elected officials, too, and they're accountable. Well, and people, mm-hmm. so yeah, people what, what I would do is, on is, is, as well as school yeah. boards, you know, we the people no, have got to get busy here or we're going to lose this school education, and they are the ones who are filling our children with all this garbage as they're growing up. And so we have millennials. We heard some st- stats last night, like 80, 90 percent of millennials don't even believe in God or that they are worth something in today's world. This is the propaganda they're pushing on our people. They're ruining our children. Yeah. Well, I guess my point being is I would take a box or, or two or three of these um, books down the, look down the prosecutor's office and just or show to them. the sheriff's yeah. office and say, I, I want to report yep. this is a violation of whatever the code is. And uh, you expect this to be prosecuted. Right. And if not, uh, maybe you don't need to be in office anymore. Hey, you guys, that's, we that's are done with our first hour. The Bible guys are going to be next. But thank you all. Um, this was a great experience for me. And I hope to see you all next week. Great job. Thanks, you guys.
Little Rock, and welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Dr. Scott Stewart, pastor of Agape Church, sitting in for Dave today, who is uh, not going to be with us, but I assume he'll be with you guys tomorrow. I'm joined today by my um, good friend and another Bible guy, um, Billy Miller. Uh, we are going to have a great show today because uh, Steve Hess is not with us, so this is going to be even better. <laughs> It's gonna make it even better. Good uh, we, we just we just take the we just do that with Steve whenever he's not here. Yeah, um, but he's actually um, he's out of state. He's uh, on a little bit of a a vacation here with the holidays coming up. We're praying that everybody have a great um, great Thanksgiving this coming week. And uh, there's a lot of things actually connected with the th- the feast of uh, Thanksgiving that maybe we'll get into a little bit later on in the program today. Uh, if you'd like to give us a call, uh, we're welcome to. You're welcome to do that. The Telephone lines uh, are available to you, and you can call in at, um, of course, area code is 501. The uh-huh. number is 823-0965. And uh, Billy and I are here to take your calls if you would be so inclined to give us a ring. Otherwise, we do have a few uh, calls, or I'm sorry, uh, emails that have been uh, sent in to us with some questions on that. And uh, so we'll go ahead and jump in and take those uh, one by one and see if we can't uh, flesh out some answers for you guys. Uh, this uh, this particular um, uh Email comes into us from a guy named Holland, and um, he says, uh, "Dear Bible guys, I've got a few questions for you this time, uh, which I hope that you'll be able to answer on Tuesday's show. Which, of course, today is Tuesday. Uh, the number one, he says here, he says, I read recently that uh, less than fifty percent of Americans now attend church regularly, which is the first time in U.S. history this has happened. Uh, in the beginning, is this the beginning of the of the end? I've heard Scott say that he used to live in the future." Uh, is this what he uh, seen in Europe? Um, I guess that is sort of directed at um, at me, but I'll let Billy uh, handle that first part. Billy, is this the uh, this the uh, yeah? Kind so of a, a, I actually think that's a misquote of the statistic. Um, I, I I think church attendance has been below fifty percent for quite some time. I oh, believe really? the I believe the change in the statistic was that for the first time in American history, less than fifty percent of people identify as being Christian. We have dropped below um, the 50% mark in those who even claim to be Christian. So, um, yeah, I think the last time I saw a number, church attendance was setting around 30 or 35%. So, oh, really? Um, less than thir- a third of Americans are attending church uh, on a given any given weekend. And that, of course, was exacerbated um, through the COVID stuff. Uh, but here's kind of the way I feel about that. That was a really convenient excuse. Mm-hmm. It really was. Yeah. I mean, um, there were a lot of people who were attending church because there was some pressure from family or the wife said, get up, we're going to church. Or the husband said, we're, you know, I'm the head of this house and we're all going to church. And suddenly COVID provided the perfect opportunity for those who did not really want to go um, to just not go. Yeah. Uh, it, it became a really convenient excuse. Um, is this the beginning of the end? Well, I think... Um, the the beginning of the end was some two thousand years ago. Right. Uh, the beginning of the end was the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, are we seeing that clock ticking towards um, eleven fifty nine fifty nine? Yes, I, I think I've made that statement on many occasions sitting here. I absolutely believe um, that we are sitting at the eleven fifty nine fifty nine mark. And what I think that the statistics show is that the U.S. is not immune to what is is coming. Yeah. Um, we chose to kick God out of our public life, out of our schools, um, out of many of our homes, and we are now harvesting what we sowed. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is not going to be pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would uh, I would agree that um, with the continual decline, is you well, if you remove people's spirituality from them, then there's something's going to fill that void. Something's going to fill that gap. And uh, and the question related to me about living in uh, about living in the future. Uh, if you don't know what that means, I I used to I lived in Europe for over twenty plus years, and I used to come back to the states. I used to say that I live in the future and um, come back to the past, being America, to tell you what the future looks like if we don't change our ways. And I was met with with people saying, you know what, that's just completely crazy. We're America. We're never going to become like that. And right. lo and behold, here we are. I'm not a prophet by any stretch of the imagination, but it didn't take a prophet to read the handwriting on the on right. the wall to see that uh see that coming so um but you know there are there are parts of the world that are experiencing great revival uh, absolutely you know they're they're having they're having incredible things happening the christian the christian faith is exploding in a lot of different parts of the world it is decreasing here uh which means that we are slowly becoming like um like europe is which is not a place america would want to go i listen i've yeah. been there i've done that uh, I know our standards, I know our expectations, and I don't see any reason why we would want to become that way. As a matter of fact, it seems to me like those who want us to become like Europe are, Europe are people who've never lived in mm-hmm. Europe. They say, well, look, look, look at this country, and they'll say, look at that country. We can be like that. We can have a medical system like that. Listen, I've had children in all these countries, and you don't just get to walk in those countries and have everything free right you got to pay for it now what do we do well we let people come in here and we give them everything free uh you know when i have children born all over the world my ch- one of my children was born in sweden when my another child was born in finland supposedly these uh socialist utopias that people want us to be like but guess what none of my children are they're not swedes or Finns. right, right. but you let a child be born here and automatically they're going to become an american so we want everything that supposedly these ideal um socialist countries have but we're not going to follow the same plan and same rule that they use in order to have those societies. We're going to do it a different way, which is a broken way, and it's not right. going to work. It doesn't work there either, for that matter. Um, and you, you know, you can't forget. Uh, we don't like taxation here, but they have tax on goods. It's called a VAT, a value-added tax. Um, that is everything you buy uh, now. In um, whenever I lived in Sweden back many years ago, back in the nineties, um, um, everything had an eighteen percent tax on it so that means it doesn't matter what your income level is you're going to be paying 18 percent tax we're not talking about regular state tax this is the federal right. tax of 18 percent right. to take care of all so, this so think about adding another 18 percent to whatever it is you're buying these days that's so, correct uh, another 18 percent on your sales tax and that, that would be rough but and but now in sweden i think it's 22 percent yeah so everything so you you want and how long would it take to get in to see a doctor Whenever I w- whenever I moved to Sweden, which was uh, I moved to Sweden in um, uh, December of uh, 1989 is when I moved there. And uh, what are you smiling at, Billy? I, I wasn't even out of high school yet. I'm just saying. Well, I was just. <laughs> and so, uh, so I so. But when I moved there, there was billboards up. There was a, it was a, it was a campaign year. Right. People were advertising. Um, if you vote for us, you'll never have to wait longer than three months to get an operation. Wow. And that was supposed to get them elected, which means the waiting list was much longer yeah. uh, than that. So is that what you want, America? Because that's what you're voting for yeah. right now. Yeah. And that's the direction that we're going. I, uh, the, thing that, the thing that breaks my heart, I, I started to say makes me laugh, but it really doesn't. It breaks my heart. Is you got all these young kids out here screaming, we want socialism and we want to vote for it. Mm-hmm. So you want a... A democratic form of socialism. 
I've I've heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> I I know where 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 that leads. Uh, matter of fact, there's a really famous government that was was democratic socialists. Um, we generally tend to refer them by refer to them by a different name. Oh yeah, um, that being Nazis. Yep. Um, now, am I am I claiming that anyone out there who wants uh, a democratic form of socialism is a Nazi? No. What I'm telling you is that the inevitable conclusion of a mob ruled country where we claim to share everything is something like the Nazis mm-hmm. because you will always have people in power who want more than their fair share. Yeah. Look, and I've told my kids this when my, when my kids first, cause school just wants to cram communism down your throat. The first time my daughter, I think it was Sierra who came home and said something about extolling the, the greatness of communism. Right. And because, you know, she had been force fed that at school sure. today. Uh, and, and thankfully, that's one of those things that I've always and if you're not doing that with your kids, you need to be you need to be find out you need to be finding out what they're being taught so that you can correct mm-hmm. what they're being. Absolutely. Taught. My kids have always been really good about coming home and talking to me about what it is they learned, yeah. what it is they're exploring so that I could go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, whoa, wait. Yeah. And and I told her that day communism is phenomenal on paper. Right. But once it encounters humans, it falls apart. Sure. You know, uh, there's there's only one instance, and um, people. I'm going to make you angry. I'm going to make some people angry right off the bat this morning. There's only one instance of communism that ever worked that I know of, and it's to be found in the book of Acts. Mm. Matter of fact, Karl Marx made a reference to the book of Acts when he talked about creating this beautiful society. Well, it works when we are all dead to ourselves mm-hmm. and living for our brothers. Yeah. But the moment you reintroduce flesh, it falls apart. Yeah. All right. We're going to pick this up on the other side of the break. We've got to go pay a few bills. So uh, we'll see you guys in just a few minutes. And we're back. We're going to continue uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, if you want to give us a call, that would be great. So the number is uh, 82 what is eight two three zero nine six five? Hey, listen, I I am a complete neophyte when it comes to uh, taking care of this uh, of this microphone. It's not the golden EIB microphone. It's the uh, it's the it's the black, blue, and red one hundred one point one FM microphone. This is the Dave Elswick microphone. So um, big shoes to fill here, but uh, we're moving right along. We're going to continue. Uh, we're going to pick up where we left off, and I'm just going to kind of. In the uh, the last question, uh, just about um, the question referring to about the future, about me living in the future regarding Europe. There's one unique uh, distinction between uh, the the rate at which Europe became what it became and the rate at which America is becoming what it's becoming. We're moving far faster than yeah. Europe ever did. Absolutely. And um, you know, one of the reasons why is even to this day in Europe, even though they are in the in the spiritual condition in the socio economic position they're in. Uh, they still have um, state churches. Uh, if you if you go to a state school, a state college, or whatever, uh, guess what? You also have you still have uh, the gospel. You still have the Bible. Right. My my kids who went to um, you know in the beginning when they went to a public school, and later when we went to a private school, uh, when Christmas time came along, guess what? Your kids learned in school. They learned what Christmas was, what it was about. It was about the birth of the of the Messiah. It was about the birth of Jesus. When my kids did plays in school, they did plays about Christmas, the real story. They did plays about Noah's Ark. This was a part yeah. of the 
uh, still a part of the, although it was more or less a cultural thing for them now, at least the consciousness of why we do things is still there. We're working in America to remove that from uh, the public square, which will cause our decline to be much more rapid and much faster. As, and when my child, children went to a, a private school, uh, the private school was very uh, Christocentric. It involved everything about uh, Jesus. They had to go to chapel every week, even though it was not a quote-unquote Christian school. It was still very much a Christ-centered place. Um, if if you were caught on campus, and they would have um, my son, my oldest son, uh, whenever he get, became like a senior, he became also what's known as a prefect. Uh, and so prefects were like all seniors became mini policemen on campus. And right, one right. thing they used to do is they would stop kids and ask them, show me your hymnal. And if you didn't have your hymnal on your person, no interesting. then they could give you a, a, a like they make you like write a hundred times. I'll never forget my hymnal. So all of a sudden, all the seniors became policemen and their job was to make sure people still had an awareness that you're carrying the praises of God in your pocket. Now we have come. So at least Europe still has that. Right. Yet they're still in the condition they're in. We have a we've ripped that from um, our student life, ripped it from our government life, uh, and so therefore that will facilitate and exacerbate our, our our decline at a faster rate than than Europe has ever known. Yeah, and, and I think part of that is that I, I've said this several times, and m- most of the time it is a bit tongue in cheek, but it, it's true nevertheless. In that America was a country born in rebellion, and we've never really gotten over it. Yeah. We, we are, um, you know, that whole, um, this is what's right for me and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is, by its definition, a rebellious spirit. Mm. And I, I have taught, I've heard it, I've heard it taught, um, I, I firmly believe that um, sins tend to run in families. Um, if, and there are, there are things that individuals should avoid simply because you have family history of that, whether it's a a father and a father's father and a father's father's father or uh, personal history with that sort of thing. They're just things you should avoid as a result. And I think uh, that rebellious spirit is something that is also kind of tends to run in families. And here's the bad news. Almost all the families that are here came as a result of a rebellious spirit. So Mm -hmm. we have this um, countrywide, we have this sense of um, I'm going to do what is personally right for me, regardless of what else is going on out there. And that sounds great. Matter of fact, we kind of extol that in America yeah. as independence. Right. Um, the problem is, what are you trying to be independent from? Mm-hmm. Because if what you're trying to be independent from is the rule of God, then we have a problem. Right. We, your, your independence is great right up until it encounters the law of God. Yeah. Because once you encounter the law of God, your independence needs to be set aside. That's right. And, and, and it, it goes, this whole idea of this, this independent, quote, spirit uh, is completely um, antagonistic to the uh, the scripture that says that we are now as a as believers we're now interdependent upon each other. We're right. a body that is connected, and it said the scripture says you can't say you know the hand can't say I don't have any need of the foot, or I can't the eye can't say it doesn't have any any need of of the of the hand. So we we are totally dependent on each other, and if you bring this this independent spirit into a a, um, a church culture, um, then it will implode because you cannot exist as an amputated part uh, right. within the body and have the body function as it's supposed to function. Right. And if you're sitting there 
Um, because I've had this conversation with people in the past, and, and the initial reaction from an American is to be angry at that thought, and that's just because of the way we're raised. But the question that I always ask when they get angry is, well, who was the first one who decided he wanted to declare his independence? Yeah, there you go. Um, we, we have a title for him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we talk about him a lot. His name is Satan. Mm-hmm. And he was the first one to go, you know what? I don't, I don't think I like the rules. I think I want to be independent. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it cost him. And if you want to follow that guy as your father, it will cost you too. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. We weren't created for independence. Now, am mm-hmm. I saying that we should be under slavery? Absolutely not. Um, but in a... Um, in a metaphorical way, we are absolutely slaves to the will of Christ. Yeah. And the moment we can settle into that and get past our Americanness yeah. to accept the fact that, hey, look, there is a Lord in my life. And that is not that is not fluffy Jesus who wants me to pat me on the back and say I can do whatever I want and it's all going to be okay. No, he has expectations. Yeah. He took the time to write all that stuff down through the prophets. Mm-hmm. Go figure he might want you to actually live the way he declared that you should live. Yeah, yeah. And that independence stretches to where now we can be independent from certain scriptures. Well, I'll do that bit, but oh, I'm not going to do this bit, you know. So, And, you know, the Lord wants me to be happy, and if I did that, I wouldn't be really happy. So I'm going to do this part, but not that part. And we become the arbiter of our own destruction by by picking and choosing what we're going to believe or what we're going to do or what we're not going to do. Sorry. When your soul was bought with a price, you gave up the right to make those decisions for yourself. Yeah. And, and I would challenge you for those who, who, because I've heard that a lot as well. Well, God wants me to be happy. Mm-hmm. Show me. Yeah. Show me where scripture yeah. says that. So since when is the Bible about you? Right. It's not about you. Now I, I do see where it says joy. Absolutely. God desires you to be joyful, but guess what? It also says joyful in my suffering. Yeah. I'm sorry, when I'm suffering, I might have joy because I understand that God is in that moment with me, but that doesn't make me happy. Right, well, Show me a, where scripture says you're supposed to be happy. Right. There's a difference between, between joy and happiness, and the joy you're going to have is going to come from a, a joy of the spirit, a joy of your heart. But at the end of the day, you, you the book is about God. It's not about you. You're yeah. a part of God's plan, but it's his plan. And uh, we need to, we need to, and that, again, that goes back to uh, being being a self centered or an independent type person. Right. My son went to um, he did a um, his last year of university. He did what's called a Pacific Rim. So he actually studied in universities, three universities in the the Far East, and uh, and he had to do a cultural study before he went. And he he told me something I've never forgotten. He said that um, uh, that they took a bunch of American kids and a bunch of Japanese kids, and they asked them to draw a picture of their family. And the little, the little American kids, they drew they drew a picture of their family, and in almost all, or the consensus was in the American family, uh, the the little the person, the child drew himself, and he was typically the biggest picture, uh, the biggest figure, really, and uh, he was in the center, and the family was around, around him. him. But in Japan, when they drew it, they drew their families in order. They always drew the father first. And he was always larger. And then they drew the mother. And then they drew their siblings in order. And then finally themselves. And so the idea, so they were trying to teach my son, saying, you're going into this culture, and here's what you need to understand. There's a respect, and there's an honor of the patriarch, the matriarch. There is even, my son told me, he said, even within a family, the younger sons called the older sons with, not not Mr., but they had a certain phrase. Like, if, if your name is... Billy, I, and you were my older brother, I would call you like 
son Billy. I, would, or I put a little right. a little there's phrase. A, there's a prefix there. Right? Yeah, a little prefix. Older. Absolutely. Sure. So, so the idea of uh, of honor and authority and structure and collectiveness was within that culture, whereas this culture was more or less independent yeah. and me centered than it was otherwise. I think that is probably uh, among the greatest sins that we have created in this country, and that is that we have taught everybody that they're the most important thing. Yeah. And guess what? You're not. So with that being said, we're going to uh, wrap this section up. We're going to go ahead and go to the news, I believe, as well as pay a few bills. We'll see you on the other side, and we'll continue with the rest of our questions. And we're back. We're going to continue here with our questions. If you'd like to give us a call and add to the uh, the list of things to discuss today, you can give us a call. I actually just heard the announcer say it, 823-0965. And we'll be here to take your call. It's me and it's uh, Billy Miller here in the house. Uh, Pastor Steve is not with us today as he is taking off for the holidays. I'm just sitting in for Dave just for the one day. They will be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we're going to continue to move on into the other questions that we have. I'd like to take a little bit of time towards the end to discuss uh, uh, Hanukkah. It's one of the questions that we had and also kind of mention something about uh, about Thanksgiving. Uh, number two on our list here uh, with questions, uh, it, is, it comes to us as the, uh, what is the real uh, reason that the media sites are, are being censored? I'll give this to uh, Billy since he deals with the, uh, with the uh, tech security. Um, um, do you guys feel that this is the beginning of a complete gospel blackout? Um, what are you doing to preempt this, if so? So uh, I think your first question is is answered by your second question. Um, what's the real reason for the media sites blocking conservative voices and Christian voices? Yeah, well, exactly that. It's because they're conservative and they are Christian voices. Um, I, I have often said and will say here again today that every human being alive is in the fight. Mm-hmm. Whether you know it or not, you're in the fight. You're either on the side of the Lord or you're not. Right. So um, you're in the fight. And these people who are out here doing the things that they're doing, they're serving a master, even though they don't realize they're serving a master. They're, they think they're just trying to silence some opinions that they don't like, et cetera, et cetera. And, and really what they're doing is they're they're fighting on the side of our enemy. Um, unfortunately, that whole rebellious nature and we were just talking about rebellious nature is that whole rebellious nature and i'm going to do what i'm going to do and no one can tell me different um unfortunately is the opposite of what our lord has to say and as a result uh, it leads people to try to silence us um the gospel will always win yeah period that's right the gospel will always win that's right what you have to make sure is that people never hear the gospel so yes there's a concerted effort out there um is this the beginning of a gospel blackout? The gospel will never be silenced. Amen. Amen. I, I'm sorry. God will never allow that to happen. The gospel how many times will has this been be attempted in you know right. in the past history through burning the Bibles or forbidding people to pray or imprisoning them or creating martyrs? There's always been an attempt to stop the gospel. This is the modern version of the same right. thing. Right. Now, they may shut us down on some sites, but they can't shut down the whole Internet. Now, That's at this right. Point, I'm sorry. It has of a life of its own at this point. Matter of fact, the Internet was designed originally by the military to be a network that could not be shut down in the event that we were struck with a nuclear weapon, right? So that the military command and control would continue to stay up even if some huge portion of this country were were wiped off the face of the earth. So the internet is not going away. And as long as there is some independence um, to create websites and, and to host media, the gospel is never going to be silenced on the internet. Sorry, it's just not going to happen. Mm. And even if it were... Um, 
that the gospel hitting the internet comes from men and women preaching the gospel first. Yeah, right. And that is still not going to stop. No. Um, and here's what we know historically. The more pressure you put on the church, the faster it grows. Right. Let that pressure come. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I mean, is a matter it of fact, unpleasant? Yeah. Yes. But let the pressure come. Because I, th- I think if uh, the, when we've seen the most advancement of the gospel being spread is when the church is under persecution. Absolutely. Uh, it, the, the greatest enemy of the church is comfort. Yeah. Apathy, complacency, yep. absolutely. Because the moment we get comfortable, we start allowing other... When, when you have to stand, and this is my personal opinion about the end times and why the end times has to happen, when you have to stand and, and face your potential executioner and say, yes, I am a Christian, knowing that if you make that declaration, that is going to be the last thing you ever say in your life, mm-hmm. guess what? You're sold out for Christ in that moment. Right. Or... You prove you never were. Right. One or the other. Right. And I, in the face of that sort of persecution, there is a there is a power in the witness of martyrdom. Mm-hmm. And people see that and go, why would he be willing to die for that? Right. What What is it he knows that I don't know that mm-hmm. he was willing to die for that? Yeah. And Christ... There's a, there's a reason that that at least eleven of the apostles had to die the way they did. Right, right. Um, that it had to be proven that this wasn't simply a lie because right. men do not die for a lie. No, period. They saw it happen. I um, I heard a missionary was telling a story. I forget what country is is in. I think it was in, in maybe it was in Burma or something. I'm I'm sure not sure. But uh, some police officers um, crashed into a uh, underground church, mm-hmm. guns drawn, and said. Um, that they were going to systematically start um, killing oh. all of them. Yeah. You've heard the story, yeah. and um, and so he, they, they basically cried out, said, "If you're a follower of of Jesus, go to the wall over there, and and if you're not, leave." And a certain amount of them ran out of the church, right. and when they ran out, then the guy said, "Lock the door." They locked the door, and they put their guns down and said, "You know, we're believers too, and we just wanted to make sure that that we were going to worship with true believers in Jesus." Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah. You want to follow Jesus, sometimes it means you go yep. to the cross, and sometimes it means you go to the tomb. But guess what? There's always resurrection on the other side if you follow the King of Kings. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you in the break that I've just finished reading the uh, the Bonhoeffer biography. And part of the reason that that biography has had such an impact in my life, uh, and Bonhoeffer's story in general, and if you, if you don't know who Bonhoeffer is... Um, he was part of the Valkyrie, the um, uh, failed Valkyrie attempt on Hitler. He was a Lutheran pastor uh, in Germany uh, as the, the Third Reich rose. And he actually left Germany just as the Third Reich was really becoming a thing and came to America. And he felt like God called him back mm-hmm. to Germany regardless of the cost. And he would eventually be captured by the Nazis and would be put in a concentration camp. And he was... Um, uh, he was descendant of some royals somewhere, so he got pretty good treatment in there until Hitler realized that there was no way that he was going to win, and, he, and Hitler personally ordered his execution. And he was executed just three weeks before right. um, the Allies liberated the camp that he had been in. But he went back knowing that if he was going to do what God had called him to do, it would almost certainly cost him his life. Right There is... There is power in a decision like that. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, when when God called Abraham to take Isaac to the mountain, as as Isaac is laying there 
and Abraham begins to bring the knife down. And the angel of the Lord calls out, stop, don't touch the boy. I now know that you would have given me your son. Yeah. God is a God of exper- experiential knowledge. Mm-hmm. He tests us to prove to, to prove to himself that we will pass the test. And guess what? To prove, to let us prove to ourselves that we would pass that test. And there's a special, there is a special crown for people who, Absolutely. who are martyred. There's a special reward for those who actually make that ultimate, um, ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And, God and just I wonder how many that. are, I think there's a, there's a line that says from the, from underneath the altar, yeah. the voice of the martyrs comes saying, how long, how long? Yeah. Um, I wonder just how loud that voice is right yeah, now. Yeah. Good uh, question. And how many will be added to that before we are done? Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not throwing myself at the martyr's crown. It's not something I want. But uh, I, I long ago decided that if I have to make the choice between living and denying Christ or or taking up martyrdom, that's an easy decision for me. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. It just, this life is not that important to me. Right. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, you're ready for a very spiritual quote, it comes from the Three Musketeers. It says, uh, I do not cling to life sufficiently to fear death. I'm sorry. This this world just does not mean that much to me. Yeah. I, it's so temporary, it so, so, so shallow and so short compared uh, to eternity. I once heard a pastor say that life is nothing more than a 70 to 80 year lesson to prepare you for eternity. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Uh, it's it's elementary school. That's yeah. all this is. This is elementary school. It'll be <laughs> over in a flash. Well, speaking of that, what do you think about this? Uh, the next question uh, about uh, prepping. If it if uh, everything tends to go into the uh, the frying pan, what is it? What are your thoughts concerning um, uh, concerning prepping and, pi- and stockpiling and so forth? In all things, moderation. Should you have some food put away? Yeah, I think so. Should you um, should you be preparing to? stockpile enough arms and armaments to engage the federal government. No, that's a silly thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we have proven that over and over and over. Um, Just go look at a little town in Texas or um, a little town in Arkansas or a little town here or a little town there. You're you're never going to fight the federal government. If that is your your plan, um, you're a fool. Sorry. Uh, And if I'm the first one who's ever told you you were a fool, I apologize for having to be the one that told you that. (laughs) However... Should you be putting some things aside? Well, even the federal government tells you you need to have at least 72 hours worth of food and medicines and et cetera, et cetera. And today, um, I say today, FEMA's recommendation several months ago, maybe a couple of years ago at this point, was to increase that to 30 days. So even the federal government tells you you should have 30 days worth of supplies in your home at any given time. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a stigma that goes with being a, with being a uh, quote prepper. Oh yeah, as but I've, I've, I've lived that life for a very long yeah. time. Stig- well, you Stigmas know, don't bother me. So. But, but you know, you think about it though. But we have no problem uh, with a savings account, right? A rainy day account. Oh, a retirement account. Oh, All you're doing do you is have insurance, right? There you go. All you're doing is preparing financially for right. some inevitability or possibility. And if you're going to stockpile your money for your future, what's the problem with stockpiling sure. food for? Food for we know the next ice storm is eventually going to come, sure, and sure. you know that bread and milk are going to disappear. Right. I don't know why those are the two things that uh, disappear, yeah, but whatever you guys are making with bread and milk, you know, please share that <laughs> recipe with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So I, I would say within reason, within reason, yes, that you should not be devoting your life to stockpiling as much as you can because then you ignore the gospel. Right. Um, but yes, it, it is prudent 
to be wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and scripture tells us that you, if you, if you're not planning to take care of your family, then you're worse than the infidel. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah my, my wife came to me years ago and, uh, and she said, I feel like I should do this. I said, well, if you, if you're doing it out of faith and not out of fear, move forward and make that, uh, make that thing happen. Right. So, all right, we're going to be coming up on taking our break here. We'll come back for the last uh, segment of the show. And when we do, we're going to spend some time talking about a question that came to us regarding Hanukkah. In case you didn't know, that starts this uh, this Sunday. And then we'll roll over into talking about Thanksgiving as we exit the program today and as you prepare your Thanksgiving feast on the other side. All right, and we're back with the last uh, segment of the program today. Uh, as uh, Dave says many times, it's the fastest hour of the week, and it certainly is that way for us. Again, it's uh, Billy Miller and myself, Scott Stewart. We're sitting in here uh, for the big guy himself, uh, missing uh, Steve Hess. And, missing? Uh, that's a rough word. Well, that's oh. true. I guess I should say he's just not here. <laughs> he's M- m- missing implies that we wish he was here or something like that. But he, he, and of course, Holly is sitting beside, uh, behind the uh, the glass wall there, pointing at us and keeping us on on track. So we thank Holly for that. All right, we're going to jump into uh, the last question we have that's uh, been sent in to us this morning, and uh, it comes from uh, Hope, and she says, "Dear Bible guys, could you explain the story of Hanukkah?" Uh, I was wondering why Christians, uh, the Christian church would celebrate something that is so Jewish, especially because it's not in the Bible. And then she references Leviticus 23. Uh, what advan- advantage or lesson could be learned from the church teaching or celebrating the holiday? I'm not trying to say that it's wrong for it to be celebrated. I'm just wondering why it would be, uh, what effort would be put into creating events around something that isn't a God-given command, commanded celebration. So, um, you know, Billy and I kind of... Uh, discuss this at the very beginning yep. and yep. um uh, why don't we just kind of take this from the very beginning uh why don't we explain what uh, hanukkah is for people who don't know right so hanukkah is a celebration so hanukkah is a celebration that as it is celebrated today it has been for many is really not where it started mm-hmm. uh it really started as giving god thanks for a military victory but there is this tradition within Judaism that we don't celebrate military victories uh, or defeats, right? We, we don't do either of that because um, all military actions come with loss of life. And therefore, we should never celebrate the loss of life. So um, we took what something that may or may not have happened and made, it turned it into the centerpiece of, of Hanukkah. And, and that legend, and I will use the word legend there, that legend is that when they went to rededicate the temple, um, that they needed to light the lamp. Um, there was only found enough oil for one day, but it would take eight days to get the new oil ready. And by faith, they lit that one day's worth of oil that they had, and the, the light burned for the full eight days. So that is the reason we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. Now, um, that is a nice legend, and it, it wraps a holiday up in a nice, neat little bundle and puts away the miraculous that actually happened. Mm-hmm which is that a tiny little resistance movement through the power and will of God defeated the most powerful nation on the earth at the time to say you will not defy and defile what God has called holy. Yeah. Now, having said all of that, uh, I take a little exception with it's not found in the Bible. Why is that, Billy? Well, I think we, we very clearly see it uh, when it says that um, Messiah was in Jerusalem to celebrate the festival, the feast. Um, we, we do actually see and it's in John, John 8, 10, 8, 10, 8, 10, 22, 10, 22. Yeah. I think part of the confusion with people when they're reading an English Bible is it says that he 
was uh, he was in Jerusalem and it was winter and he was in Solomon's colonnade right. uh, and for the for uh, the feast of dedication. Right. It doesn't say Hanukkah, so some people right. don't make the connection. So the word Hanukkah actually is the Hebrew word for dedication or to dedicate. So when you say dedication, you're actually saying Hanukkah. It's right. the same thing. So we've simply pa- translated the word into English, and therefore we don't recognize that's it. That's it. So, so apparently right. it is in the Bible, uh, and apparently Jesus celebrated it. Right. And if Jesus celebrated it, then it certainly cannot be something that would be wrong. And if our well, beyond that, and, yep. and here's my thing: beyond that, Messiah said, "I do nothing yes. unless I've seen my Father." do it so not only did jesus celebrate hanukkah but god in heaven yes observed hanukkah that's right that's that's enough of a reason right there i'm on board i'm on board (laughs) Uh, me too and obviously if as christians our job is to uh is to emulate the life of jesus and to follow his example then this is why uh they christian church should uh, if you're not going to celebrate, at least you should know about it and know what it is and know why it would have been important to Jesus. And, of course, one of the questions is, well, how would a church even celebrate? Honestly, you know, at this time, this would be a great time for rededicating your life. Right. Take a time to rededicate your your life to the plan, the purpose, to the glory of God, uh, and uh, and use this opportunity to um, to make that happen. Yep. And there's a huge connection between Hanukkah and um, the upcoming uh, Christmas celebration that most people will be engaged in. Uh, Hanukkah is called the Festival of Lights. Hello, uh, what do we use at Christmas? Lights. It, Han- the original Hanukkah happened on uh, December 25th, which is also the time that was chosen for uh, Christmas. They give gifts at Hanukkah. We give gifts at Christmas. Some of these traditions are a little bit later. But the point is this, that when I mentioned Christmas, the questioner asked, you know, when things are not found in the Bible, well, guess what isn't found in the Bible? Christmas isn't Christmas found in the Bible. Is uh, out there. We're yeah. about to celebrate Thanksgiving. It's not, not found in the there. Bible. Um, Fourth of July. Fourth of July is not found not in the Bible. Uh, what about Halloween? Uh, Halloween yeah, definitely not there. Not in the in the Bible. How about Mother's Day? Uh, yep, not there. Not uh, Father's Day. Nope. Sorry. Okay. What about your anniversary? Uh, negative. Is your birthday in the Bible, Billy? No. Okay. So the point is, we celebrate lots of stuff that are not in Leviticus twenty three. Right. But we have no problem doing that and incorporating them incorporating them into the life cycle of the church. I can't tell you how many churches have what they call a fall festival. Right. right. Uh, the fall festivals aren't there unless you're unless that unless that's the word you're using for the feast of of Sukkot, uh, which is, of course, it's the Feast of, uh, the feast of Tabernacles. Um, and so uh, that's what uh, it's about. And typically at our church, one thing we, we do, we've got a, we're launching Hanukkah this, uh, this, coming, uh, this coming Sunday. There'll be songs. There's videos uh, that will be happening. We have in our bookstore for sale right now. If people want to buy it, we've got, we've got uh, the Hanukkah, which is the, uh, the candelabra or the menorah. It looks like a menorah with an extra branch. We're, we've got uh, uh, dreidels we're selling, which is a little game that's played. I mean, this, it was important to Jesus to yep. celebrate it. Yep. And get this, he went to uh, Jerusalem to make that happen. Right. That was a week's, he had to walk an entire week to get to Jerusalem so the man put out huge effort to participate in this uh, particular right, celebration. Right. So if he spent a, a week going and a week home, he spent two weeks celebrating or in, in giving himself to this. You should certainly take at least one Sunday yep. uh, or and, one and Sabbath. Since, since he would have been there for eight days, we're really talking about him oh, yeah, dedicating almost a full month, month. of his life yep. to saying, hey, I'm going to set an aside time. And uh, of the 18 or 19 days of his life that are recorded in the Gospels, 
Um, this is one of the days that was recorded. That's right. It's it's one of the days that they took the time to record. Hey, he was here for that festival. And, and, the Holy and Spirit. it is a time. So we'll be doing a, as a church, we'll be doing a progressive dinner sort of thing. Yep. So I think that's the, uh, it's one of the great things about this holiday. Um, you know, Christmas can be such a confusing and busy time because oh, we got to get over to grandma's. We got to get over here. We got to get over there. We got to get, well, guess what? Hanukkah's a much more relaxed because I got eight, eight days, days to get to, to do all, all those that. places. That's right. So That's right. I get to go have dinner with, with friends and family and, and chill out. And yeah. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, pl- please uh, find a place that's going to teach you something about this uh, as the holiday rolls around. And uh, as we're beginning to close here, we just want to wish everybody a very happy um, Thanksgiving as it comes up on uh, at the end of the week. And in case you didn't know it, the very first Thanksgiving was actually the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. The pilgrims didn't come straight from England. They spent 10 years living in the Jewish quarter in in, uh, in Amsterdam before they made their way over here. And in that place, they learned all about the Feast of the Lord. They learned all about their engrafted into the Jewish nature of their faith. And when they came here, the very first Thanksgiving actually lasted seven days, not one. Why? Because the Feast of Tabernacles lasts seven days. They ate outside. Why? Because you eat outside at that time. They invited Indians. Why? Because you invite people over to celebrate with you at your special feast and they gave thanks and praise to god for that event uh the very first event you can read the documents of the of the governor that was there william brewster and he tells how they went out and they killed animals to last them for about seven days so they could continue to feast and celebrate for the seven days that they would have been celebrating during the uh, feast of sukkot it's a time we celebrate the presence of god in our life in our family's life and his presence in the ongoing year we reset ourselves uh, at that time. Now, of course, this year, Sukkot already happened back in uh, September, but of course, uh, our 16th president of the United States, Abraham Lincoln, set this day as a day to remember Thanksgiving to God. And I pray that each and every one of you do that. Come visit us at Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.